And we are live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the first episode of the Run It Back Radio Show, which is now formally known as formerly known as the Run It Back Podcast. We are now the Run It Back Radio Show on Uptown Radio WJYN ninety-eight point five. And it is such a pleasure to be back on radio. After nearly a year hiatus. So, pretty much the entire concept of this show originally was Thomas and Thomas Radio Show back in 2016 when I was in Millersville. It then became Thomas, the Thomas and Thomas podcast with me and my former broadcast partner, Jamal Thomas. And then we had to do some rebranding. Then it became the Running Back Podcast with me and Freeman Hudges. And now it's the Running Back Radio Show here on 98.5, just right off of. Temple University, and it is an honor to be on the airwaves, uh, just right off the Temple, just to have a voice in Philadelphia radio again. It's a pleasure, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who is watching on both Facebook, um, Instagram, and on 98.5. I appreciate your ears, and I appreciate you lending me your voice. So, now that the pleasantries are out the way, we have a massive slate to get into both NFL and NBA, and you know it's before the holidays. You know, I personally I can't wait for Thanksgiving, and for my favorite two favorite traditional dishes, well in my household, uh, number one is the stuffing. No matter what, uh, I love stuffing. Um, it is my favorite uh, Thanksgiving side dish, and uh, we have a tradition now in our house on thanksgiving it's called rum ham if you're familiar with always sunny in philadelphia um there was an episode called the gang goes to the jersey shore um you know frank went to go get alcohol so him and mac could chill on the beach and just you know drink alcohol and just you know live it up in uh, in the beach in jersey however hank came back with a giant like slab of ham and he literally said this is ham soaked in rum it is loaded with alcohol and that is where I got the idea. I told my mother, and this, and pretty much every single year since 2014, instead of a traditional turkey, sometimes we do turkey, uh, the main meat dish in our house is rum ham. Yeah, so fun fact about uh, our little household. However, you're not here to wonder about what's going to be our pl- on my plate in particular for Thanksgiving. You're here to... Um, Listen to me talk to sports. So, I'm just going to dive into the NFL, Week 12 roundabout. Um, just so I was at the game on Sunday. The Philadelphia Eagles taking on Russell Wilson, MVP candidate Russell Wilson, and the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday. I was there live in attendance. I froze my feet off watching that game. And it was single-handedly, brutally, probably the worst Eagles game that I could possibly ever go to in every single aspect that game was unbearable to watch, especially on the offensive end. I'm, I'm not going to harp too much on the defense with the exception of the fact that they've recovered a fumble in the fourth quarter and they want to celebrate in the end zone when you're down 14. You just don't do that. However, defense did everything it can. It picked off Russell Wilson, one of the few teams to pick off Russell Wilson. I think we're the third team in, out of 11 to, to pick off Russell Wilson in the game. Um but the offense was completely terrible to watch in every single aspect. Uh, they're missing Lane Johnson because of a concussion. Brandon Brooks had to leave the game in which 
he's opened up earlier this week about uh, his battle with anxiety. So it takes a big man to admit the fact that he has anxiety, he has mental health issues, so he wants to get that addressed. So I respect Brandon Brooks' decision to not play that game. If you're dealing with something like that, then you shouldn't be playing at all. However, even still, the Eagles' defense, they gave up five sacks. Uh, Carson went through two interceptions. There were five turnovers. And only nine points scored. You got a garbage time touchdown to make the score a lot more respectable than what it was, but the damage was already done. What can the Eagles do to change their off, change their fortune and hopefully still be a playoff team? Honestly, I don't think this is a playoff team at all. Too many injuries on the offense, at least with the defense, they're getting people back. Offense, it's been a week-to-week cases week to week case that you keep losing everybody. Jordan Howard's not clear for contact yet. Uh Alshon Jeffrey has missed games. Stilson Aguilar had to miss a game because of a knee injury. It's not it's not like Aguilar was being missed at all. Um Lane Johnson had to miss a game because of concussion. You miss your entire right side. It's just been a revolving door on injuries when it comes to this Eagles offense. And it's just awful to watch. Uh, you have a wide receiver core that isn't getting cross trained, so and it, it's it's the worst offensive. It's probably the worst offensive football right now at this very moment. And obviously, does Carson Wentz need to play better? He absolutely does. But when you are in a circumstance in which you're missing two two fifths of your offensive line, you're missing your two starting wide receivers, you're missing your starting running back, you have to adjust your game plan to some capacity in order for your offense to do anything. And that's also another thing. Mike Rowe or Doug Peterson or whoever calls the plays, according to Ruben Frank, Doug Peterson's the one that calls the plays, you need to make sure that you adjust your game plan to accommodate for those injuries. I understand those. that's a ridiculous amount of injuries to overcome, but even still then, good coaches find a way around it. And whatever it is, is that regardless of how the season goes, if they run the table, they go 10-6, and six, and they make the playoffs and get eliminated in the first round, Either way, an offense. We need a new offensive coordinator, because even when you don't have all of your horses, a good offensive coordinator, a good offensive mind, honestly understands where your where the strong suits of your offense is. Your strong suit is is that you have an offensive line that is particularly good in running the football. I don't care if Jordan Howard is out. You still have Miles Sanders who was still gashing him. Jay Jai was still getting tough third and one third and one yard runs. You continue to run the football. The fact that Doug Peterson was calling a game like they were down by like twenty-one instead of the game, the game was down. They were down by seven for most of that game. And your refusal to commit yourself to running the football honestly cost you. And the fact that you have a practice squad wide receiver in Greg Ward, who every single Eagles fan has been clamoring about, just give the guy, just give the kid a chance, give the guy an opportunity to prove himself. And this has been going on for three years now, and he got six catches for forty yards, which is the same amount of receptions as JJ Arcega-Whiteside has had in his entire rookie campaign. That's the more. I think that's the most catches. Any Eagle wide receiver has had since week two or week three. I mean, regardless, it's been almost two months. And Deshaun Jackson has only played five quarters throughout his entire return to the Eagles tenure. And he still accounts for 33 
percent of the Eagles wide receiver yards. It's I don't understand. It's like your your identity should be running the football to accommodate for all of these laundry lists of injuries. Deshaun Jackson's not playing. Alshon Jeffrey's not playing. Nelson Aguilar's not playing, even though Nelson Aguilar's not really a loss. You 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 have guys that aren't good at downfield catches, run some mesh concepts, run some drag routes, get them opportunities, run some concepts in which they get the ball right in their hands and then they'll try to be able to do something in the open field. You did that with Greg Ward. Nelson Aguilar can't track a deep ball to save his life. But you know what he can do and you know what he has been good ever since his days in USC? Yards after the catch. Run Aguilar on some mesh concepts. Run him on some drag routes. Run him something in which you can get him into open space. Those Alshon Jeffrey screens that you love to run, run that for Aguilar instead because he can because he actually has speed to do something after the catch if he catches that football. But anyway, this was probably the worst loss I've seen um, for an Eagles. The only saving race is their schedule's coming up. They face Miami. They still have to face the New York Giants twice. They still have to face the Redskins in Washington and then Dallas and pretty much which is going to decide the division in Week 16. However, you take away that Dallas schedule, you, four of your remaining five games are with teams with a, combi- with a combined six wins throughout the entire season. If you can't figure out a way how to turn your offense around against the softest part of your schedule, then you don't deserve to be a playoff team. And I'm not going to hammer Carson Wentz that much because a lot of this is just victim of circumstance. However, next season, we need a new offensive philosophy. We need Howie Roseman to actually evaluate and get a proper wide receiver for Carson Wentz to throw to. And, you know, this offense is just terrible to watch. Um, anyway, going to speaking, but you know, it isn't terrible to watch. The Lamar Jackson show. And we saw it last night on Monday Night Football against the L.A. Rams in L.A. And you know what that game really reminded me of? Remember the Monday Night Massacre at FedEx Field when Michael Vick, uh, you know, was a starting quarterback um, since week one because Clay Matthews wanted to give Kevin Cobb a concussion and then Michael Vick took that starting job and never looked back? That reminded me of that game. And not in the aspect of in terms of yards, but Lamar Jackson had that game in the palm of his hands from start to finish. He didn't. He played a little bit of the fourth quarter, but after that, it was just the Lamar Jackson show. And and honestly, like from a personal level, it is really good to see a black a black quarterback dominate the way he is right now. And honestly, it's been an ongoing trend throughout the entire league. Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott even, um, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, uh, pretty much every single MVP candidate that's all quarterbacks is all MVP can is all black quarterbacks. From a personal level, it's nice to see because for so long, the hammering, the hammering narrative has always been that they have to be smarter in the pocket. They have to be a pocket quarterback. They have to beat you with your arm. It's nice to see offenses now stop trying to confine and put a trying to square peg round hole these quarterbacks and they just completely are building their offenses around the around the proper skill sets in order for them to thrive. 
Greg Roman has done a phenomenal job in making a game plan and building around Lamar Jackson's skill set. Um, they've done it in Seattle as well with Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson, to a lesser extent, I just think Deshaun Watson is just... Um, I don't think Bill O'Brien Bill O'Brien's doing Deshaun, Wa- Deshaun Watson any favors over there. But Kellen Moore with uh, Dak Prescott, it's just nice to see, you know, these quarterbacks. They don't have to, you know, follow that ongoing trend that's been going on for decades that they have to be a pocket quarterback in order for them to be successful in the league they can win in in their own way and I think you're going to see that going forward the statue quarterbacks they're becoming more and more obsolete by every passing season I think the Lamar Jackson the Patrick Mahomes the Russell Wilson's that is going to be the ongoing trend you're going to see going forward and I'm actually excited to see that but Lamar Jackson, five touchdowns last night, was dominated a defense in which Wade Phillips, very respected defensive coordinator, uh, Super Bowl champion, uh, head Super Bowl champion coach, and dominating a defense in which you probably had still the best defensive player on the planet in Aaron Donald and probably the best corner in Jalen Ramsey. And Lamar Jackson just put on a show. Nothing was stopping him. And... I could sit here and talk to you about Lamar Jackson all day, but, man, what is going on with the Rams? And they haven't been right ever since that Super Bowl. Ever since that report that Todd Gurley was, you know, had that knee injury and they weren't 100% sure about what that knee injury was, and then it came out over the summer that Todd Gurley has arthritis in his knee, and I'm like, this is not going to end well. This is not going to end how... LA fans are think it's going to end and it hasn't this offense in which on paper it should be a lot better than what it is uh, Jared Goff should be a lot better than what he is Sean McVay should be a lot better than what he is but the offensive line is bad Todd Gurley I'm pretty sure like well we don't know if Todd Gurley is able to listen that man has arthritis in his knee the only other player I've known who's ever played with arthritis in his knee is Brandon Roy and he had to retire and that's a completely different sport but they've had multiple injuries um Robert Woods has had to miss time uh Brandon Cooks I'm pretty sure that at this point if he gets one more concussion he's going to retire Cooper Cup has been solid all year um but yeah this offense is just for a team that on paper, this offense should still be a top five offense. It has it has been subpar this year. Jared Goff has not been living up to the big time money that he's been making. Um, Sean McVay, um, you know, kid genius. It's not looking like a genius this year. And and this team is not a playoff team. And the worst part about it is, is that number one, you traded all of your draft capital in which you could have you pretty actually pretty much used to you know try to you know fix the mistakes you know try to rebuild your offense try to rebuild your offensive line you know add some players and on the defensive side of the ball but you traded all those picks to get Jalen Ramsey and now 90 million dollars in your ent- throughout your entire um team is going to be tied up to four players Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Jared Goff and Aaron Donald and honestly, throughout out those entire four plays, only one of them has earned their money. But this is this is going to be bad for the Rams going forward. Jared Goff is going to have the highest um, 
highest salary next year at 31 million. They're not going to have any draft picks in order for them to, you know, try to rebuild their team. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if the Rams finish last in their division next year. The 49ers, they're looking like they're on their way back up. And honestly, I'm excited. I wanted the four. I've been a big fan of Kyle Shanahan, uh, John Lynch, and what they've been trying to do for years. And now it's finally been taken off. The two questions that I had for them was the health of Jimmy Garoppolo and can their front seven and can their front seven, you know, live up to the billing of what I saw on paper? And right now, both of those questions are being answered. That front seven is dominating. Joe Nick Bosa. Uh, D D Ford, Eric Armstead, who's has eleven sacks. That entire front seven, DeForest Buckner, that that's a terrifying front. They're making just about every other all the defenses that they are facing. Oops, sorry about that. Um, like child's play. They face the 49ers on I mean not the 49ers. The 49ers took on the Packers on Sunday. And honestly, as a big as an Aaron Rodgers fan, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers get completely dominated in the way that I've seen him before. It was it was rough to watch as as a as a as a Packers fan, not not as a Packers fan as a Rodgers fan. Well, people just said that the only reason why I root for the Packers is Aaron Rodgers. So you can just call me a Packers fan. I don't care. But the 49ers, it's between them and Baltimore. It's probably the most complete teams right now. The 49ers defense is just unworldly right now, just uh, a no-fly zone. That front four, they have a bunch of guys in that in that defensive line that could just completely take over a game by will. And, and the offense is beginning to pick up, especially now with the addition of Emmanuel Sanders. Um, with him, George Kittle, a uh, plethora of other young wide receivers, they have a – a gaggle of running backs that can kill you. Tevin Coleman, Matt Brigida, Moister. Um, I, I I like what the 49ers are doing. Like I said, I'm a big fan of Kyle Shanahan, what he's been doing. Uh, same with John Lynch. It's about time, um, eventually, sooner or later. I've been watching what they've been doing over the past few years, and sooner rather than later, that was going to pay off. And now it is. They're probably the most complete team in the NFC right now. And I can't wait for that, that game on Sunday between the Ravens and the 49ers. But you know what else I can't wait for? Um, five games left. That AFC wildcard picture is completely, is it's a madhouse right now. Um, it's being currently occupied by one, the Buffalo Bills, in which, in my honest opinion, um, the Buffalo Bills should pretty much have all but secured that number fifth seed in the NFL. In the uh, in the AFC, however, then after that, then you have a really crowded uh, six uh, run uh, race for six. Um, you have the Oakland Raiders. The Steelers currently hold that spot right now, and they take on the Cleveland Browns, who are five and six. They've won three straight after starting off two and six. And I've been hard on Freddie Kitchens, but Freddie Kitchens has—I don't know what it has been. I don't—I don't know if. if Freddie Kitchens has just made the offense a lot more, you know, basic and simple for Baker to 
you know, to do to do more and not ask, you know, for him to go broke on every single play. But Odell is coming back into form. He's proven once again why he's a top five wide receiver and why he never stopped being a top five wide receiver. And listen, people need to stop that. People need to stop trying to remove one. Stop trying to remove Odell from that top five wide receiver conversation. He never stopped being a top five wide receiver. And just because he was struggling doesn't make him any less. We saw Julio Jones have like a, a season with like sixteen hundred yards and like three touchdowns, and people are still saying that Julio Jones is still the best wide receiver in football. Odell Beckham is still a top five wide receiver, guys. Him, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, and like Mike Evans. That's your top five. You can't name five wide receivers better than Odell Beckham. You just can't. And I would like for you to try, and. Yeah, and good luck with that. You're not changing my mind on that. However, but going back into this wild card picture, just Steelers hold currently hold the number six seed. They face Cleveland in a rematch at Heinz Field after that Miles Garrett incident. Uh, Oakland, you know, they're six and five. They take on the Chiefs this week, and the Raiders still have two two entrants in terms of trying to get into the playoffs. They can still win the division. They're only one game back um, from the Kansas City Chiefs. And then also you have the the Colts and the Titans who are also both six and five, and that's just a man, that's a stacked um, wild card race right there. But if I had to pick who's going to be that sixth seed, um, I'm going to either go with the Colts or the Browns. The Bra- the Colts to me, out of everybody in that entire you know AFC title picture, I feel like they have the best coach. Those pe- those kids, those players, they want to play for Frank Reich. And I think Frank Reich is going to get them ready. Jacoby Brissett, he's not going to lose you a football game. He's not, he's not going to be the reason why you win either. They're still 28th in passing. However, they have the third best rushing attack. That offensive line is still A1. And they have getting progressively getting better on the defensive side of the ball. That's the formula for you to win in January. Good defense and your ability to, and your ability to run the football. The Colts can do both. And next is the only reason why I'm picking them is because of schedule is the Cleveland Browns. I had them as a playoff team. I had to win in the AFC North. Lamar Jackson had other plans, and so did Cleveland for the first half of the season. But their schedule, they're, they have a very favorable schedule. They still got to face Cincinnati twice. I still think with all the injuries that Pittsburgh has on the offensive side of the football, the Browns can go to Hinesville and beat these guys. And you still got to face the Cardinals. That's... That's still not going to be a gimme, but I still think they're still better than the Arizona Cardinals. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland found a way to win out. Um, you still got to face Baltimore, and but that's not that's never an easy game. But they've already beaten Baltimore this year. Let me uh, let me fact check myself. Yeah, at at Pittsburgh, home against Cincinnati, at at Arizona. Home against home against the Ravens. They've already beaten the Ravens at MT Bank Stadium. And then they close the season against the winless Cincinnati Bengals. They had they have the talent. They have the hot streak. And they have the favorable schedule in order for them to go ten and six. And I think ten and six is enough for them to get that last wild card spot. Oops, excuse me. Sorry about that. But yes, it wouldn't surprise me if Cleveland wins out. 
And obviously Buffalo at eight and three right now, it's safe to assume that Buffalo has that last that first wild card spot pretty much locked up. Anyway, moving on. And I really wanted to get into this. I just don't like to post on Facebook that much about the situation anymore. Um, but I wanted to talk about the Colin Kaepernick practice. And unfortunately, as a supporter for Colin Kaepernick, I think this is the end. And I've said this before, like when they wanted to do this workout with him on Saturday, if they were serious about giving Colin Kaepernick a workout, you have three years to do it. Why all of a sudden you would want to host a practice in on on a Saturday on a Saturday afternoon in which you know most of the teams, you know the important people, the actual general managers, the coaches, the owners, they're all going to be either on the road or prepping for tomorrow or tomorrow's game on Sunday. So no real person or personnel decision maker is going to be there to like actually make this decision and what scouts are already going to tell you what you already haven't known. And scouts have already said that Colin Kaepernick's arm is still an elite arm, still through a 55-yard bomb. We all saw the open practice. The issue was never with talent. That's what people need to realize. It never was about talent with Colin Kaepernick. It never was. It was the fact that he did the is that he protests the wrong thing on the wrong platform and it cost him and it got the wrong people mad. That's all it was. And for anybody else to sit here and say that, you know, he was he's never serious about getting back to the NFL. He just wants to be a martyr. This is the that's the wrong hill to die on. We've all his issue was never with talent. The man has sixteen touchdowns and four interceptions on a bad 49ers team that even before then had had lost a max exodus of talent. You know, Jim Harbaugh left. You know, um, they fired Jim Toulouse after a 2-14 and seat after after a terrible season. Then they follow up with Chip Kelly. And then a a lot of players, like, retire. Like, pretty much half of their roster pretty much left over the past two years. That was the biggest turnover turnover on roster throughout that entire span but in the end Kaepernick's not going to get a job if they were if any team was serious about signing Colin Kaepernick they would have done it three years ago and but he hasn't played in three years listen Josh Josh Johnson I remember him because he was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for that one game back in 2012 I believe um for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he had a four-year layoff. He wasn't in the league for four years, and he got an opportunity to go play for Washington last year. Josh McCown, who's the backup quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, was just retired, and they asked him to come back and be the backup quarterback. One of the else, Jay Cutler, fresh out, fresh retired, went to Miami to go play for Adam Gase. Any more excuses? Um, Nathan Peterman continues to get a job. Matt Moore was high school was was coaching high school football before he had the opportunity to go be the backup quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Stop it! We all know what it is. I'm not, I don't need to tell you, but I'm telling you, if you want to continue to tell yourself and tell everybody else that the reason why Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job is because. 
He's not good enough to be a backup. He's probably the best backup quarterback in the league. He's he's probably better than several starters right now. I can think of a, I can think of several teams that he could be possibly starting with right now. Chicago, Pittsburgh, just to name two. But we can't have a backup quarterback being a distraction. Listen, out of all people, you want to talk about the NFL with distractions. The NFL is not a moral playground. They have employed drunk drivers. They have domestic abusers. And and if you really want to be like on a personal level, it's like the NFL doesn't want to lose any money because they want to sign Colin Kaepernick because then they'll protest. Do you realize how much pressure you'll get? You realize how much revenue potentially for a Colin Kaepernick jersey if you let's say let's just say Pittsburgh for example, and Colin Kaepernick gets signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All the media attention will go back to you. The amount of revenue for a Colin Kaepernick jersey will go through the roof. I promise you, people will buy that jersey, and the people who sworn that they would not watch the NFL because as long as Colin Kaepernick will not have a doesn't have a job, will go back to watching the NFL because Colin Kaepernick has a job. They will watch Pittsburgh games. Marketing 101. Oops. But, yeah, I'm – listen, that man never should have – he should have never lost his job to begin with. And for the NFL to sit here and pretend that they've cared about Colin Kaepernick – Wanted to get a fair opportunity. All they wanted to do was host the sham practice and for him to sign away his rights. I'm not with that. In the end, Colin Kaepernick was right not to sign that waiver. He's pretty much shown that the arm talent is still there, and he pretty much shown that it was never about talent to be his arm talent to begin with. So in short, Colin Kaepernick is never going to play in the NFL again, and that's a shame. Anyway, I feel like I've been on my soapbox for the NFL for a little bit too long for this past half hour. And yeah, um, now we're going to go to the NBA. And I have a few grievances with the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers are 11-6 and at the moment. They haven't lost a home game, but when they go on the road, they are brutal to watch. And the... The latest example of that is them going on the road last night on Monday night in Toronto. No Kyle Lowry, no Serge Ibaka. Kawhi Leonard is longing gone in L.A. So you think, like, you know what? It's a rematch of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Pretty much the Eastern Conference finals, as people want to make it out to be. And you know what? This should be a good game for the Sixers, who are at full strength to exact a little bit of revenge on the on the rat, on the team that eliminated them and broke all of their hearts. No, that wasn't the case. Joel Embiid had zero points. He was 0 of 10, 0 of 3 from downtown, didn't make a free throw. And that last three minutes, the Raptors went on a 10-0 run. And for that last sequence, Tobias, that inbound pass, Tobias Harris takes a terribly contested three. Then after that, Ben Simmons gets the rebound, and turns around and makes a fadeaway three that doesn't even come close to touching the basket. I watched that sequence like several times. Nothing about that sequence made any sense. 
The Sixers still can't close a game. And honestly, if any part of Jimmy Butler that I miss is that. I just missed the fact that we could just give Jimmy Butler the ball with like 15 seconds left to go on the shot clock. And I know what, and if the ball doesn't bounce the right way for Jimmy Butler, I'm fine with that because we know we got a solid possession out of that. The fact that we have to now depend on Tobias Harris as a closer, knowing that he has no experience being a closer throughout his entire life, so now it's a trial by fire basis to try to make him that, it's not working. If your starting center is struggling, I would expect, like, you know, our star point guard to honestly, you know, pick up the slack. That wasn't the case either. And it is just rough to watch a team that is at full strength taking on a team. And honestly, that is the difference. It's like, in my opinion, people don't give coaching enough credit, in the, especially in the NBA. That was the difference between good coaching in terms of Nick Nurse, Van Fleet, Van Fleet has been able to step in tremendously in terms of Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam, obviously addition by subtraction when you lose Kawhi Leonard, obviously Siakam's going to be the next man up. And he's playing like an all-star. He honestly looked like he can go back-to-back winning most improved player again, averaging 25 a game. And honestly, he's looking like an MVP candidate too. That's all coaching. And the one thing that makes Pascal Siakam really good is the fact that when he gets the ball, he already knows what he's going to do with it. He's not going to sit there and dribble out, dribble the air out of the ball because when you do that, that's a wasted possession. He, he knows when to pass it. He knows when to drive in the lane to get a shot. He knows when to shoot the three-pointer. That's a very – the Raptors, and that's that goes to Nick Nurse in terms of what he provides in terms of over Dwayne Casey. The Raptors know exactly what to do with the ball. They're a high-IQ basketball team. They know their spots. They know what to do with the basketball. When they get it, it's no wasted possessions for them. And they get it done on the defensive end. Marcus Saul is not the player like he used to be, like he was in Memphis, but the man can still D up. As, as what you saw on Monday against Joel Embiid, holding him to zero points. And that, once again, Brett Brown gets out coached by one of his peers in the Eastern Conference. Last two years ago, got out coached by Brad Stevens. Last year, out coached by Nick Nurse. I don't know what to make of this team. I think this team is going to be really good at home. They're going to struggle on the road. They're still going to win 50-some-odd games. They'll find a way to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals somehow, some way. And I said it over the summer. This team is going to lose to the, this team is going to lose to the Bucks. Brett Brown has no excuses on why this team doesn't know how to close out this game. Period. And in the end... The only reason why I'm hard on him is because, regardless, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons' experiment is still going to happen. And if Brett Brown can't figure out how to w- figure out how to get this team to the NBA Finals, he's going to be the man responsible for all of this. His job's on the line this year. Period. No excuses. There's no reason why you're so. There's no reason why your starting point guard should is not taking threes. Well, maybe it's because Ben doesn't want to shoot. You saw that game against the Knicks. They drew that up. Off-ball screen, Ben Simmons, corner three. It's shown. He can shoot. 
you need that spacing from Ben in order for Joel Embiid to work. Because as soon as Joel Embiid gets the ball and he dribbles the uh, for seven seconds, that's a dead possession. Joel Embiid has to work twice as hard, especially on the top of the key, to get his shot off because he can't operate in the post. Because there's no spacing. Listen, it's still very early in the season. It's late November. 17 games have played. uh, 65 left to go. But this team is not looking like a finals team. Unless something, unless the switch, switch clicks on ASAP, this team is not going to the NBA Finals. But you want to know another team that's not going to the NBA Finals, but they still, but they're still probably going to be a playoff team. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, and I told everybody before that, you know, before my show, I have one rule on my show: there will be no Luka Doncic slander on my show. That kid is that kid is special. Everything about him is special. The Mavericks are 11-5. They currently hold the fourth spot now in the tough Western Conference. This team is good. And Luka Doncic is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He is averaging... He's averaging a 30... He has a 30-point triple-double right now in 34 minutes. He's averaging nearly 31 points a game, 30.6, 10 rebounds, and 9.8. So he's two clicks away from a triple-double. Shooting 35% from downtown. All of this in in 34 minutes. If there's one thing that you said, like, well, is there something that Luka Doncic can start doing? Let's play defense a little better. But in regards to that, that's more on the effort base than anything else. But not a lot of people play defense in this league anymore. But everything about Luka Doncic is special. His ability to dribble, um, shoot the three, taking step back threes. He's looking like James Harden out there, except he's not ref beating. Uh, good rebounder, excellent vision. On excellent vision, knows knows exactly where his spot is, knows how to finish. Honestly, he's my pick for MVP right now. The impact is there. Dallas wasn't a playoff team. He's got he's got he's got some help now. Um, in the help in the forms of Chris Porzingis, you could do a lot worse for a second option for Chris Porzingis. But Luka Doncic is special, man. And I was thinking a question that I had to myself um, was if we were to have a lottery draft for every player. That was that's been drafted throughout this entire decade because this decade's almost over. Where will Luka Doncic end up? And for my list, I think Luka Doncic goes no, no worse than third, no later than third, third overall. I would say the only people that would go over him is is Giannis. Honestly, it's probably just Giannis. Outside of Giannis, I can't think of anybody else that would go over Luka Doncic if we were to have an all-decade draft. I feel like he is I feel, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, and then Luka Doncic. But what about Anthony Davis? I think he's better than Anthony Davis. I think, 
I think his impact is a lot more significant than Anthony Davis as him being a number one option. I think he's I think he's a honestly I think down the line he's gonna be a better player than what Paul George is what at his peak. Same with DeMarcus Cousins. And honestly, like maybe even Joel Embiid, because I like I trust Lucas durability a lot more. I like him more to Towns, I like him more to Jokic. Just name him. Outside of those two, probably Luca goes third on my board. And that's a hill I'm willing to die on. But, but yeah, Luka Doncic is special. And, and I think we have a lot of just young, developing talent throughout this entire league. Um, his, his draft buddy partner, uh, Trey Young, who's, you know, going out there and balling for Atlanta. Um, I told I told you earlier about how much I love Patrick Siakam and now the fact that he's a number one option now in Toronto and he's thriving now. Um, who else? Uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I like him a lot. I love that um, the pairing that him and Victor Oladipo is going to be on, that's going to be fire and ice. I think they're going to be able to play well off each other. And Malcolm Brogdon is just the guard version of Al Horford. He doesn't make any dumb plays. He knows exactly where his spots are. He knows exactly what to do with the ball when he gets it. Really good, fundamentally fundamentally sound overall player. But, yeah, when Victor Oladipo gets back, I think the Pacers are just going to take off. And I have said this, that if the Pacers and the Bucks were going to meet up in the postseason and the Pacers have a healthy Oladipo, I think that team is good enough to knock off the Bucks. I 100% believe it. Also, just... Young players throughout the league who are just, you know, are just taking over. Also, you got to give a shout-out to Brandon Ingram. I think the best thing that's happened to Brandon Ingram is the fact that Zion Williamson is hurt right now. Because now he's the number one option, and he's averaging 26 points. Seven seven boards, four assists, uh, 46% from downtown. That man is... That man's on fire right now. Um, but yeah, Brandon Ingram, I've been a fan of him ever since coming out of Duke. And honestly, I even said, I was even on record saying that if I had the number one pick, if I was the general manager, I would have taken Brandon Ingram over Ben Simmons. But Ingram is balling. Um, it's not reflecting on the win column yet for the Pelicans because the Pelicans are just still a young, developing team. Him, Lonzo Ball. Uh, Zion Williamson, when he gets back, uh, I just don't think Alvin Gentry is the coach for them. I could be wrong, but I see an Alvin Gentry in Phoenix. Um, it's not going to end well. But yeah, a lot. But yeah, just a lot of exciting, you know, young talent in in the NBA right now. It's a lot more balanced. The Lakers are dominating. You know, 15-2, Anthony Davis is now the number one option. It's his team, and LeBron's pretty much, you know, playing second option, which we really haven't seen since, like, his first year really in Miami. It's weird. Nuggets, you know, they've they've officially gotten back to form. Jokic hitting back-to-back game winners on, you know, his rivals on that rival him for the best center in basketball on uh, Joel Embiid and – Carl Anthony Towns, they won five straight. 
Uh, you know, the Clippers are Clippers are balling. Mavericks, obviously, because of what Luka Doncic is doing. The Rockets, you know, they're pretty much they're what you see, what you get. Honestly, I'm not impressed by what the Rockets do in the regular season anymore. They're going to win 50 games. All I care about is what they do in the postseason. And from what I see, as long as Mike D'Antoni's there, they're not going to win anything. They're not going to win anything important. They can win all the 50-game regular seasons they want. They're not going to win anything in the postseason. Sorry. That's just the reality. But just a lot of exciting basketball. Sixers, they need to get it together, um, especially against their peers. Um because the Bucks aren't going to stop. They've won eight straight. Giannis has been on an absolute tear. He had a 50-point game um, yesterday. Uh, Celtics, you know, what can what more can we say about Boston? You know, Brad Stevens is probably – Brad Stevens, one of the better coaches in all of basketball. Jason Tatum's taking that step forward. Kemba Walker, unfortunately, he's hurt now. Um, wish him all the best. Miami's taking that step forward uh, with the amount of young talent that they have, along with Jimmy Butler – and honestly, this is probably the best coaching job I've seen from Eric Spolstra in a long time. Not because he has talent around him. Uh, Raptors, talked about them earlier. Pascal Siakam, Nick Nurse. Once Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka gets back, it wouldn't surprise me if they go in 50 wins. Uh, Brooklyn, funny enough, no Kyle Lowry, no problem. They won four out of the last five. They won four straight. I honestly don't. I honestly don't know what to make of that, but... And it's honestly it's going to be really interesting to see how Kyle, how Kyrie Irving plays with uh, a returning Kevin Durant coming back from an Achilles injury. But yeah, it's a lot of fun basketball. Um, you know, especially heading to the All Star break. Uh, I can't wait for that postseason. The game's going to slow down, and then we're going to see, you know, what coaching job gets done because to win in the East. It helps to have the best player in the best player in the court. Obviously, the Bucks have it with Giannis, but the coaching coaching in the end matters. Uh, Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse, uh, Nate McMillan, uh, Mike Budenholzer, Eric Spolstra, Kenny Atkinson, whoever is going to take that eighth slot, um, whether it be the Magic, the Wizards, if the Pistons get it together. Man, this this oh man, that eighth spot is is. Brutal and not in a good way. But in the end, it's going to come down to coaching in the Eastern Conference. The question is, is that has Brett Brown learned enough from his past mistakes? Do you trust him and getting his getting Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris and company ready for that postseason run? Because just making it into the postseason that doesn't matter for a team like the Sixers anymore. Like I said, for a team like the Clippers, the Lakers, the Rockets, uh, the Celtics, the Bucks, post the regular season doesn't matter. Seeding helps, of course, but what you do in the postseason matter more, matters more often than not than how you place in the regular season. So Brett Brown definitely has his work cut out for him. Anyway, I don't know how I'm going to do two hours. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm, I'm done all my topics, and um, I'm going to cut the show short today. Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has been tuning in to my show. Um, obviously, we're not live today. 
Uh, there's been something going uh, But next week, we're definitely going to be live. Next Tuesday, 8 p.m. start time. Be there. Come out to support. Call in. The number is 215-236-1878. Call in. We'd love to hear your opinion. Um, in the meantime, this is the new and once again rebranded Run It Back Radio Show up on Uptown Radio, WJYN 98.5 FM. This is Chris Thomas signing off.